Now we're recording again with Dr. Andrew Huff. And uh, yeah, you know, after reading your book, I suppose this is part of the course. Of course, of course, OBS would would shut down. And uh, I interviewed, I was going to interview some guy from the CIA Special Activities Division like two years ago, and Zoom just wouldn't open. And I was like, really? you, know, you know, it might be tinfoil hat. It might not be. Maybe I should just, you know, leave laying dog, leave dogs, like leave sleeping dogs. And I was like, you know what? I didn't need that episode. But uh, with that intro, Dr. Huff, please introduce yourself. Well, uh, hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Andrew Huff. I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist, also an engineer, and I'm a former vice president at Equal Alliance, and I've worked in a number of different places over the years, and I've skipped a bunch of my education because I get sick of talking about myself. <laughs> Fair enough. And your book, The Truth About Wuhan, uh, I'll put it in the description. It's on Kindle. It's a fantastic read, and it's uh, very, uh, what, what word am I? very like enemy of the state kind of vibes. That's the yeah, that's what someone of. else said. Someone, one of my friends said, "You've been living the uh, enemy of the state." Hundred percent. Someone also call, uh, recently called me. A couple of different people independently said, "I'm the Forrest Gump of modern history." Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Pretty, yeah, kind of. I've been plugged into so many of these weird things going on because I used to be really active in this community and I, I rose fast uh, professionally. And you know, sometimes life just takes you on a crazy journey, and I wound up in the middle of it all. To me, that uh, and I, I've actually I brought this up on an episode uh, last week with Dr. McCullough and uh, Mr. Steve Kirsch, talking about <clears throat> Wuhan and the virus and all that good stuff. And I brought up how in your book you talked about, I believe it was DARPA came to you. I always have to hesitate when I say that. I'm like, wait, no, it's in the book. It's fine. <laughs> I can I can say this. Um, how DARPA came to you and like you kind of you're a little hesitant. You're like they seem to be bypassing the normal. I guess, due diligence in offering a, a clearance of some sort, TSSCI, whatever special. And it dawned on you, you're like, oh, they're they're trying to formalize me shutting up instead of just, you know, burning a bridge or being a whistleblower. Now it would be like treasonous activity. And that that's like a little splinter in my mind that I can't really remove. That seems... That seems like more than anything else a smoking gun. Could you could you maybe elaborate on that? Sure, it, it definitely is the strangest coincidence to ever happen. Yeah. So, so for the audience, I was contacted by DARPA, um, Dr. Amy Jenkins, who's a program officer manager there, to basically be a Dr. Uh, Michael Callahan type, uh, running the the biologics programs. Could have been like prophecy or uh, you know the diffuse proposal, something like that. Yeah. First, they didn't tell me, and I and I had a DOE, a Department of Energy Q clearance, which is equivalent to a Department of Defense top secret with special mm -hmm. access programs. And there's a little bit of confusion about how those uh, clearances work, but it has to, actually has to do with the history of uh, bio or excuse me, tech uh, weapons development, and atomic bomb, nuclear right? Uh, yeah, the atomic bomb in the United States. That's how all that really started. And the the fun the fun little aspect of that is that the scientists who are building the atom bomb do not trust the Department of Defense with it. So that's how they came up with the two tier uh, <laughs> classification system. So a person with a Q can basically tell a person with a top secret to get off if you get out of here if you're talking about weapons. Yeah, uh, fun little tidbit. But no, so but that that clearance was granted in 2014. And so when I was contacted by DARPA, now think about it, this was October September of 2019. And I've been trying to get away from the national security community just to go work on cool technology. I didn't want to be in the uh, defense national security space anymore. I just got sick of the doom and gloom and, and the reporting requirements for national security with having one of those kind of clearances. And the funny thing is Dr. Amy Jenkins, she contacts me on a cell phone number, which is brand new, um, which nobody had in my old national security social network. And that's what, you know, that should have set off alarms right away, but it didn't. I, I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, oh, you know, they could, they could track this down. They called and asked somebody and got it. Yeah. And it didn't really click until the end of 2020 what had happened with me. So in the context here of my story and what I knew, so, you know, I, I immediately suspected that this was a laboratory leak at the Wuhan Institute of Virology based on my previous work at Equal Health Alliance. 
And I had a number of documents, but something that gets you know rusty over time. And I went back and finally I reread through all the, this stuff. And then I was, you know, looked at the facts of what had happened. And then it was very clear as day to me what occurred that, you know, what I believe occurred is that the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency was basically trying to get me back into the program so they could, you know, give me a top secret clearance again, active within their program, read me into the program, and then I'd never be able to talk about it. Sneaky bastards, man. I mean, that really clever. is right, right? I mean, That's super clever. Hey, man, you got to respect them. I mean, like they're they're evil, but you got to respect them. Like I always say that, you know, just because someone's evil doesn't mean like you can't respect the game. Like that's you know they're they're pulling you into that, but that is kind of kind of the hairy thing about it is that the lengths they went to surveil you. And I, I mean, I understand that you know Dazic wasn't exactly the best guy to work for, but this is above and beyond like terrible bosses or something. I mean, for anyone that that hasn't read the, I highly recommend it. It's, I mean, it is, and it's it's enemy of the state, right? It's 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 now. If someone had written this thirty years ago, I'd be a little more, I guess, questioning. But it is twenty twenty three, where I can look out my window and I can in in the city and I can see a drone on any given day, drone surveilling your property. I mean, the unmarked car surveilling your property, on your you know on your surveillance cameras, guys coming onto your property, like that is a real. They they don't they wouldn't do that for like they wouldn't do that for me, right? If I you know if I was like gonna get Anthony Fauci on here, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care at all. I mean, they would spend ten dollars on a psyop program for me, right? They'd throw like a hamburger at my wall. This would fuck with my head, right? They, they don't they don't do that. The counterintelligence doesn't apply to me. They're not they're not talking about me and like you know in Cheyenne Mountain under NORAD like Kerrigan's going live. They don't care. They cared with you and it's not if it was all digital you could apply that to x number of people without really scaling up the cost but there were boots on the ground that's a that's a physical operate i mean i've, I've interviewed you know, tons a million times a delta force guy like these operations like don't this shit costs money and they went to great lengths to intimidate you. Oh, absolutely. And when I calculated, it, so I mean, with like those Delta Force guys, mm -hmm. even in the infantry, which I was in, you, you learn how to estimate and sure. uh, the enemy force strength, right? Okay. And so I start you know, trying to, to estimate and you start to then quantify how well resourced they are. And once I concluded that they were running a 20 to 30 man operation in my remote area where I was living, you start to figure out that that costs a lot of money, plus all this, the support behind those people. So those are, those are the people who are operating forward, on the ground, yeah, forward that as we'd say in the military. And then you have all, all their support, and you typically for every one support person, you have uh, you know between five and ten people supporting them behind them. Well, at the end of the story, I figure all out you know which agencies are involved, who's doing what, and I can prove it all. And I guess the satisfying part now is I get to go on the media and shows like yours and then call these people out on it. Yeah. And then I'm going to get to sue them in the end. And Hell I'm going to yeah. win. Hell yeah. and, and, and hopefully we get to change the country for the better. The funny thing is when I first met Alex Jones and I don't think he really understood who I was at first. Like he hadn't read the book. I knew yeah. that and he just got me on the show. And then as we start talking, it all just started clicking who I was. And then he said, okay, well, we'll have you back for a one hour special the next day. And he point, uh, pointedly told me, he's like, well, what they did to you is, you know, they, it was like CoIntel Pro mm -hmm. and, and they ran that on, you know, he listed the famous people in history. Oh, yeah. That they oh, yeah. So I have, I guess, the the I'm either infamous or famous for the fact that I'm one of the few Americans that they ran the full CoIntel Pro on. <laughs> and I survived it and I evaded it. And the reality is that some of the spooks that, that came into my life that way, I think were um, trying to be middlemen. And they were trying to steer me different directions, hmm. but there's suddenly always trying to get you to kill yourself. They are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the tactic because so many of these people actually who are, are placed in my position, you know, that's the main thing. They want to drive them so badly that people off themselves. And usually that is the outcome. And you know, then the, the intelligence, you know, the officer out the other side of their mouth will say, well, you know, I feel always really bad about it when that happens. Like, well, yeah, yeah, right, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't feel bad about it. And yeah. you're sick. And uh, I've dealt with your, your kind before and I've worked with you before. And I know what this is. And you just, when you're in that position, you just really have to 
stay the course and some days really suck. And it's, they're, they're kind of first world problems. I mean, um, them tampering with your cars or, you know, your devices getting hacked uh, continuously or, or your network. I mean, it got so petty, like, you know, if they're like, they're eavesdropping and they've got your house bugged. Yeah. There was a point where they hacked, uh, you know, all my devices and they wouldn't allow my kid to uh, watch an Apple TV to watch a kid's show. But they do that kind of thing because, you know, the kid's screaming and it creates tension or friction in your house. And that's oh. all, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to destabilize your life. and Raise the frequency. Correct. And I just, you just, you stay cool through it and you push through it. And thank God for my military training. Cause every time they went to go push on me like that, I just, I focused harder and I pushed harder, you know, and that's, that's what you have to do. It's just, uh, it's the, the, the thing that really sucked about it is there is a sense of loneliness that came from it because, you know, you really do fight, you feel like you're fighting this behemoth on your own. Um, but you know, I'm, I persevered here. I am lived to tell the story. You gotta just imagine these guys that <clears throat> have to lie to themselves and, you know, with the same grid of like, uh, you know, I stormed Normandy or I was, you know, I invaded Okinawa. They're like, we're going to go harass the fuck out of this guy and his wife and his kid. They got to look themselves in the mirror. And, you know, despite them probably being brainwashed, there's got to be a little part of them that's just like, what am I doing? And they got to they got to sit with that. Just a little like. It's me, 30 other guys, 10 support people behind all of them, the full force of the federal government. Yeah, man, you're 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 real badass, right? Yeah, you're real you're going on, <laughs> taking on your that's that's like me going to like a local kindergarten and just like punching a kid in the face and being like, That's what you get. Like thirty two years old, I'm two hundred pounds. Like, what are you doing? Well, with with ten of your friends, right? And you know, yeah, and you yeah. Pick oh, yeah, yeah. Bring in the Delta Force guys. And you only pick one kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, me. Me and ten Delta Force guys, and we go and just kick the shit out of a four year old. Like, that's what it's about, bro. Like, I mean, hey, man, if you if you can believe your own delusion, I guess more power to you. But no, that is Cointel Pro. For anyone that doesn't know about that, it's doing an FBI program, I believe, dating back to the seventies, perhaps even the sixties. All of these sort of the social unrest in the seventies, from you know just Black Panther, Ku Klux Klan. It's to get in there. You want to. You don't just want to stop them. That's that's too abrupt. You want to take control, cause infighting, steer them in different directions, control them, and you know, you know, eventually, I don't know, use them for your own purposes. And that's what a lot of it is. But to think that that just went away, we're like, oh man, they were doing that back in the seventies. Thank God, not anymore. And it's like, bro, what? <laughs> like they're just not. You're seeing the Twitter files come out now, and it's like, you're trying to tell me the FBI was like, you know. The White House was messing around with like freedom of speech and private companies. Like, dude, like the shit didn't just end. Like, man, thank God the Cold War ended in ninety one. And it's like all the all the ICBMs are still there. They're not going anywhere. And well, and they're getting they're getting updated. I mean, that's yeah, well, they are getting upgraded. Yeah, a trillion dollar upgrade. Well, that's probably necessary. I tend to agree with that. I mean, if you if you're gonna have nukes, you want to make sure they're operational and good. Hey, shape. I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm all in. <laughs> man, if you're gonna have them, have them, man. If, if you're gonna go all in, go all in. Right? Yeah, you don't want you don't want to go press the button when you need it and have have it fizzle or do something it's not supposed to. You don't want to need it. nuclear Viagra. You want that shit to work <laughs> right a hundred percent of the time. But it's um <clears throat> actually to quote, I think Eric M. Schlosser, he wrote the book uh, Command and Control, and he actually talks about that at the end that we have this idea that the ICBMs that 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 time is over. There's no Curtis LeMay chomping on the cigar. There's no Kennedy. And he's like, all these things are still there. Manned, guarded, two keys ready to go to rain thermonuclear hell anywhere in the world. And I often think about that with all these programs we learn about 50 years later. Like, dude, they didn't just go away. And this is exactly what we're seeing. And you could almost... The machine seems to be getting cockier and certainly more powerful, but it does snap back. There is a sort of natural feedback system to where you do this in the 70s. I don't think anyone will really believe you. There's no way to prove it. And there's still a general trust in Uncle Sam. You do it 2019, preceding a COVID outbreak, it starts to get a little hairier. So to kind of pivot back, that that's gotta it's gotta solidify your belief in the, for lack of a more formal term, the fuckery around the origins of COVID nineteen, correct? 
Oh, absolutely. And going back to what you your, your previous statement talking about sort of the history of this, I do feel like there was a break in the FBI's and the intelligence communities um the fuckery as you put it <laughs> um post 9-11 yeah um, for a period of time because it, the focus was really on trying to secure the united states from uh, islamic or muslim uh, radical extremism and other extremist groups and then i think what happens then you know with the wind down of operation enduring freedom and operation iraqi freedom the the defense industrial complex and the intelligence community really has nothing to do yeah. And so there's big scale backs in the Department of Defense. They, there's there's big cuts in the size of the force. A lot of these people go into private security. A lot of these people become unemployed um, or, you know, it drives wages down. And then on top of that, with the intelligence community, well, what do they focus on next? And then, you know, with the rise of um, Donald Trump being elected and then Biden. So this whole period since Trump, actually before Trump's election is when this craziness really starts, is that the whole intelligence community and Department of Defense become heavily um politicized and sure. you know it looks like the white house no matter who's in power and and i don't think trump necessarily gets a, a pass here both presidents are biden and trump are sort of abusing the powers of of the well the department of justice the intelligence community and you know in, in the twitter files they do talk about both about how republicans use their their power yeah. uh, incorrectly and the democrats yeah. and and doing that just needs to stop i mean that that's a terrible thing here i mean it's so simple i mean neither political side should be doing it it's not good for democracy it's not good for the republic i mean it, it's actually counterproductive to everything our country stands for because we'll end up being another banana republic mm -hmm. and you know, whether you're pro-China, anti-China, pro-Russia, anti, -China, pro -Russia, anti if you, other foreign powers, even the UK, you know, there we might be we might be friends, but we're also enemies, we're frenemies, right? With every other foreign world, that's that's foreign policy, okay? And if they can destabilize the United States so they can yeah. eat their lunch, that's what they want to do. And yeah. and by by having all this conflict going on within the United States and um the the misuse of law enforcement and the intelligence community then that destabilizes our country they'd love all our all our enemies would love to see us become a banana republic because what high horse does the united states have to stand on if we we keep on doing all this you know nefarious crap to our own people no you're absolutely right yeah it's it's a zero-sum world right it's a. I mean, I, when I was when i was pre-med at the university of georgia i got a medical school at the university of miami and i just studied all the time and I got A's in all my classes. And I remember in OCHEM, that was my favorite class because I guess I'm just a psychopath. Everyone else was like, the hell's wrong? I loved OCHEM. But I would study just around the clock. And it wasn't enough to get a 90 or a 95. I wanted a 99. People are like, why? And I was like, well, because it's not just enough to get an A. Like medical school is so competitive that if you get an A, they're not just going to go, oh, he's a smart kid. They're going to look at what school you went to. Hey, how many other kids got it? Oh, everyone got an A? This A doesn't mean anything. Or like the class I was in, I got, you know, I got a 99. I think the class average is summer 2012. I think the class average was like a 44. And the professor was just like, I can't round it up because one student has a 99. And I remember, I remember like kind of hearing people talking out there. Who's that asshole? You know, I was just in my mind. I'm like, I went to the university of Georgia, the number one party school in the nation. I never once went to a football game. I went to the bars maybe five times. Like, so I'm like, I, I know it's possible because I was always like a meathead frat boy, but now here I am. So I now know, you know, personal, personal willpower can get you there. But the point I'm getting to is all illusions of like, well, we're all just going to work together. It went out the window when I'd see guys a year or two older than me on their third or fourth round of app applying to medical school. I was like, it's a zero sum world. And like, I want to be a doctor and take the Hippocratic oath. That being said, you kind of have to kill everyone in your path. And that's the same thing with today. I mean, we, we we beat the British because France hated Britain and they were funding our revolution. Britain was funding the South during the Civil War. Like, it never stops. And that's exactly what they want. They see this thing getting a little unstable. Yes, yeah, someone's going to try to take the top seat. It's not going to stop. And so do you think that's what to kind of, break from that crazy rant do you think that's kind of what led to this was a sort of momentum after you know 20 years of war 
sort of that post-World War II, you know, what do I do with my fists? So we choose Korea. And then what do I do after this? I don't know. We'll go to Vietnam. We've got this scaled up machine that Eisenhower warned us about. In your opinion, is, is that is that what led to this? Is this, we have all this money, I don't know, fuck it, do gain a function. Is that what led to this? Is it more nefarious? Is it? It's hard to say. Sure. And and I, and I talk about this at the end of the book. It's so, you know, if you want to say that there's bad actors, who would have the intent or the motive? And so you could say the globalist types, uh, the World Economic Foundation, uh, you could argue China, you could even argue the United States. There's a number of the superpowers you could argue Russia. But what would they have to gain then by doing something like that? And then, then that sort of narrows down the argument, well, who'd actually have the intent to do this? And then you could say, well, um, I think there there is some substance to being a globalist type operation or uh, strange bedfellows between globalist Chinese and maybe certain political factions of the United States. I haven't seen any evidence to support that. Okay, I'm just tossing that out as a hypothesis. I don't think there's, and I don't think there's a lot of evidence to support that, but it's, it's definitely possible. I know other people that that think that. You know, so I think it's a combination of just a lot of things all going wrong at the same time. So you have the the, the technocratic elite running the defense industrial complex or the medical industrial complex. And you have people like who are bad actors like Dr. Anthony Fauci. And a lot of times these people don't know what they don't know. And they're making decisions purely based on the business model of furthering their own agenda or making money. It's all in, in self-interest. And a lot of that you see within uh, the Pentagon when people leave, you know, high-ranking officers leave the Department of Defense and then they go work for defense contractors. And then next, you know, they're lob lobbying for M M mRNA jabs, but they're, you know, they're infantry officers or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, you, you see this kind of thing. And it's this, you know, they talk about the swamp and the Trump administration. I mean, it's definitely this close relationship between um, three-letter agencies that work in defense, national security, and intelligence with the, the Beltway Bandit contractors and the lobbyists. And, you know, it's just it it's just like Eisenhower framed it. Okay. We're we're actually living in that that world. The problem is if there's not able without proper oversight from Congress, um, or if you have a weak executive branch where the leaders don't really know what what are going what's going on within their agencies and they're not leading it strongly then basically the GS14s lower level senior executive staff or the people who would be there you know administration administration take over and they run the show and that's that's exactly what you see at NIH with with Dr. Anthony Fauci so that that's the one you know the one aspect of this that you know how does this go off the rails well you have an unregulated system Okay, and it's a complex system. And there's a lot of different parts moving. And the other thing that tends to, to lack or fail in my experience in those kind of complex systems is people don't want to worry about regulations, biosafety, biosecurity, at least within this, this, this area of gain-of-function research or infectious disease research, because it slows things down. And a lot of the steps that they were taking, they were trying to get get things moving faster, whether it was with vaccine development or with the gain-of-function work. And they're sort of the same story as I point out in my book. So there's this, you know, distaste for regulation, even from the bureaucrats, because that forces them to, to do more work. Okay, so when you have a, a, a regulator who's act, actually regulating, well, then those employees have to do a lot of work to, to basically, basically provide a service back to the American people and to the companies that they're working with, that they're regulating. So it just, it, it's a perfect storm of, um, of people just wanting to sit on their hands, not do anything, make money, everything's working fine, so why rock the boat kind of mentality in my experience. And then something bad happens. Okay. You have a lab leak and an infectious agent leaks out. And then this is where I think the, the globalist argument and the world economic foundation and the political and corporate uh, interests take over. So once they catch wind that this disease is spreading on the planet, everybody is ready to cash in. They know it's going to be a cash cow. They know that there's going to be a ton of money, government spending going out. And then they help frame the, frame the, I guess, the narrative of how this is going to play out, but they've already been rehearsing it for years. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> that's, that's the unsatisfying, unsexy answer, which I think probably means it's accurate. And that's not to by no means, you know, wash the sins of any of the people involved in this, but I tend to have a harder time believing that it's, you know, it's 10 guys in a room wearing cloaks you know, pulling the strings and more so it's almost like a free market of, of not to sound like some commie, 
but you know that's, that's like the invisible hand of the market like no one no one's saying that you know turkey burger should cost this much it's just it's just what happens you want you will eventually get that right as this thing runs amok and you have the guys you have a general retire and they go to northrop and and then they start lobbying to their local senator hey do you want jobs here boeing is going to build the new f-22 and they go yeah i want jobs here and well you know if you want more f-22s we got to go invade syria and it's well i guess we should go bring them some peace and then you know exxon's like yeah is there oil over there and they're like what's up and it's it's not necessarily that there's an all-seeing eye behind it so much as it's it's kind of just the free market evolving and it's like that ain't good either because that's kind of more terrifying is that this beast arose unconsciously but you know it's like the idea of 9-11 being an inside job like man i'm i'm not saying that that wouldn't happen but i'm just it's not at all hard for me to believe total incompetence of the government. Some people, it, the FBI and the CIA weren't communicating. They, it's just a bunch of like, you know, turf contests. I'm like, yeah, that, yeah. But it's a bunch of guys being assholes. That's not surprising at all. Like that's the history of humanity and it can manifest to these higher orders. Right. I mean, the, uh, you know, electrostatic bond between hydrogen and oxygen. Sure. At that level, you go, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's water. Well, then the water forms droplets and it forms streams and it forms oceans and the oceans get sunlight and amino acids and it leads to life. And then a billion years later, it becomes a tadpole and it walks on earth and it becomes a, a shrew and then it becomes man. And then man invents the internet and has Pornhub on their phone. And it's like oxygen and hydrogen didn't necessarily foresee that, but it's still manifested that way. Is that, that's kind of a weird example, but is that, is that, am I, am I get picking up what you're putting down? Yeah, no, I understand. So, I mean, if we're talking about the uh, Nathan Hale, I think that's who the uh, Invisible Hand is attributed to. I might have that wrong, but uh, so the Invisible Hand is is interesting because it, it's not quite as um, it's not it's not an equal force upon everyone because not everyone has the same amount of access to information. Sure. So what happens is in in reality is that yes, you have the like the Invisible Hand of the market force, right? But then you have people that know incredibly more information about what will happen, how the system works. And what happens is when you're in leadership positions in the government or at one of these corporations, and I've sat in both, is that you have access to information. And if you're paying attention, you're any good at your job, you understand how the system works. And once you understand the system works, it becomes easy to manipulate in your favor if you're an unethical person. And hands down, I think the, the biggest thing that the pandemic has and the response to it has demonstrated is that there's a lack of integrity and ethics and American values and a lot of um, the bureaucrats and technocrats and people that are leading our country and people are elected into office. And I don't understand why more people just don't stand up and, and say this is not right and uh, attempt to do the right thing. And certainly there, there's been a lot of a number of politicians that actually have done that, but they, they eventually get pushed out. You know, Justin Amash comes to mind and uh, Tulsi Gabbard. And I don't necessarily agree with all their politics, right? But I can can recognize the fact that I, I view them to have I view them as individuals with integrity that were uh, also politicians. So you know that's that's sort of the, the landscape as I see it in 2023. But you know we need more people in corporate America and and in the government to stand up and say that this isn't okay. You know we should we should be doing things better. We should you know um, I'm a libertarian and I align with the conservatives on a lot of issues. Um, and I align with the Democrats in some issues, sure. but not everything has to be a political football in DC and the way that, you know, the partisanship has gotten so ugly and nasty. And, and it's been like that maybe for a long time, right? I mean, I've only been alive for 40 years and, you know, if you read the history books, there's been certain, certainly other periods of us history where, you know, the civil war and a couple different periods before that, where there was a lot yeah. of conflict within the United States. I think people forget that, but um, it doesn't mean that we can't try to make it better. And, and especially everyone has to agree that this, um, all this corporate welfare, which is being handed out by the federal government is just really enabling crony capitalism. And if we like capitalism and, you know, we, we want to keep a, a free society, well, then it can't be crony capitalism because that's what causes, that's one of the major, major contributing factors to this environment that we're in. I mean, so if, if people are not actually being able to compete, the corporations don't compete, 
if they have to then, you know, sell a portion of their business model to a larger company just so they can have market uh, uh, access to the market, that doesn't work. And if those big companies are getting handouts from the federal government to be in business, I mean, this is like, almost like a, a weird socialist kind of socialist crony capitalist society we're living in. And we have to acknowledge that. And we have to go back to our roots of, you know, what what benefits our country, because in a system like that, you know, and, you know, the, the theory of everything you could say, but in a system like that, uh, it's highly inefficient. And, the, you know, the, the free market economists make the argument that it works best if, you know, there's actual real competition happening. Well, we have to acknowledge that there's real competition not happening in our country. And all that waste is just, you know, more inflation because we're printing money to pay this wasteful business model, which isn't increasing our GDP. And you see how this all ties back into it. Now, just imagine that within, you know, what's the biggest chunks of U.S. spending on? Well, defense and intelligence are the biggest, you know, biggest aspects of the budget. And I think the next one then is uh, USDA, actually, but um, I could be wrong on that. I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of, uh, I think I've said this before, but it's like, you ever see those pictures of like, you know, deer or something that are just covered with ticks? And it just like, you know, it's, it, I mean, it looks like something out of like revelations. It's just like, what the fuck is this? But like, I mean, as more ticks get on and it gets sicker and it slows down and it starts getting more ticks on them because it's slowing down and it can eat more and drink more, but it's just feeding more and more blood to the ticks. And it's, yeah, unless like a benevolent human finds the deer and takes all the ticks off, it, it's kind of screwed. And I can't help but feel that we just we have more and more ticks on the on the and i don't think that's necessarily unique to america it probably just happens to empires you know and we are an empire and this is just kind of the natural course of things is you know the trust fund kid is never gonna say hey i have it too good i really need to go out and look some might you know like a badass superhero might but a trust fund kid's never gonna say like hey i've, I've had everything handed to me i've never gone hungry no, you're not gonna you're not gonna like vote yourself out. I don't really see how it turns because the the entrenchment and the corruption of the the military industrial complex of pharmacy and, and media and intelligence and, and big tech it is so so tightly interwoven, and it's just a patting each other on the back for eternity. But then they also have all the weapons. And that's kind of like what the military industrial complex keeps going. So well, who's gonna who's gonna tell them, yeah, they're wasteful. I mean, what am I gonna what am I gonna you know, pick up a crowbar and go take on an M1 Abrams with reactive armor? <laughs> hey buddy, I'm tired of your cr-. and it just vaporizes me. Like I don't know, not to, not to be all doom and gloom, but well, I mean, that, you're making the assumption, though. I mean, that the military turns against the civilian population in the United States, and no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see, so. that, I don't see that happening. I mean, no. that's such a crazy scenario. Because you have to remember, people in the military are, you know, our brothers, our sisters, oh, aunts, guys like you and me. They're yeah. like, fuck these people. And and, <laughs> and trust me, like if I received an order like that while I was in the military, I think, you know, the, the, have you ever heard the term of frag fragging? Yeah, yeah, from Vietnam. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Know. So, hey, and, buddy, and, I'll do it. I'll do it. Go over there. In Iraq, that was a thing too. You know, like so, I sure. I've, I've heard of it at a couple of bases that were around me. It wasn't didn't happen frequently, but when it happened, you know, it got everyone's attention. It sure got the junior officers' attention when it hey, kind of happened, or the mid level NCOs because uh, you know they'd say come, you know, they'd report back to us. The Lord enlisted guy, so and so got fragged over that base, and well, what happened? Well, you know, so you started ordering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to realize you're dealing with people in that kind of situation. You know, someone might might make the decision that you're expendable. <laughs> you're the one giving the order. Hey, man, you're in Vietnam and it's some young guy that's never fired a gun and he's trying to make a name for himself. And he's like, go take that hill. And you're like, dude, how many times are we going to try to take this hill? We just lost Bob. We just lost. And he's like, go take the hill. You guys are looking around. You're in the middle of the woods in fucking Vietnam. You're going... Fuck this guy. 
you know, just take a little toss. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Cool too. Like we're, 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 you know, you can be in such dire situations where those kind of things happen. I mean, it's it's fundamentally an invisible hand. It's sort of interesting to talk about. I actually had this thought exercise. Like someone, someone was asking about the, asking me about this on social media or I read a comment to it. So I started thinking about it. So in the military, you have, you know, lawful orders and legal orders. And, you know, if someone gives you an order to attack other American civilians, and so you have, you know, Title Ten of the U.S. Military Code, you're you're in violation of of a number of things. <laughs> so that's an unlawful order, and you know, so the question is, who's going to blink first? Uh, the people giving the order, or the people receiving it. Yeah, and I think it, not to be all hallmarky and like inspirational poster, but. It kind of does start with with you and me. And I don't mean, well, no, I do mean you, but like you and me, like you, the listener, the person next to you is, we can all look around and be like, I oh, just do the right thing. But if no one else is doing it, you're like, well, why am I going to do it? And like, you know, you got, you got the full power of the national security state on you. I didn't have that. I just got banned from YouTube in summer 2021 for interviewing Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough. But, you know, I started the podcast and it is like my business and I had the choice to not get banned. I had I kept interviewing Dr. McCoy and they kept sending me, you know, suspended, warning one, warning two. And I tried to appeal it. I was like, I'm a trans black woman. And they're like, No, you're not. And I was like, All right, fuck. Are you really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I'm a, I'm a I'm a white Irish Catholic conservative Christian guy. And I was just like, I don't know, I'll try to revert it. And they're like, that's not funny. And I was like, hey, dude, whatever, it didn't work. And they're finally <laughs> like, I finally appealed it. And they were like, Well, if you if you interview these guys again, you're gonna get banned. And I was like, I completely understand. And like an hour later, I interviewed Dr. McCall and uh, you know, got banned. But it's because at my core, and mind you, I'm like still like still growing the business. Like this thing is not a sure thing, but I did sacrifice the entire thing because it's something I really did believe in. And then I'm not only just you know red, white, and blue believe it, but I was also like rationally like it's not going to stop. They're not going to they're going to they're not going to stop with COVID misinformation. And sure enough, they didn't. And their policies about demonetization are just going to get worse, retroactive demonetization. And I just kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, dude, this is not stopping. You know, at the time, Rumble is really small. And I was like, hey, man, n- no one else is going to do it. And you're like, how come Joe Rogan's not doing it? How come PewDiePie is not doing it? And finally, you're like, dude, stop being a bitch. You do it. I only have 5,000 subscribers. Shut up and do it. So I just, this is just me talking to myself like a crazy person. And I did it. It's actually worked out incredible for me. The podcast has grown leaps and bounds. But then there's also the the contagiousness of courage. You see other people stand. And then you see guys like Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone speaking out. And you're like, oh, I'm not the only person that feels like this. And then, you know, you see a Rogan and they try to take him down. And he just holds up a middle finger and keeps going. And you don't have to like Rogan or Malone or McCullough. I, I, I don't care, whatever. But there is... There is courage in, in in the crowd of doing it. And some people get the get the sharp end of it, like you. you know, I got banned. You got literal go Intel Pro shit on you. But it starts somewhere. And I mean I and I know it sounds all hallmarky if we just bed together and I get that. But it also is the only thing that's going to enact any real change is just planting your feet and going fuck these people. Like, I know what I stand for. I don't want to impose my will on anybody else. Just do the right thing. I don't know. That's my Absolutely. And and the harder they pushed, the harder that I, I became more determined to fight. I mean, yeah. that was that was the insanity of it. I mean, I, I don't know who psychologically profiled me. So they probably looked at like, you know, my, my VA medical record and had a VA disability for uh, PTSD. Like it sure. was 30 or 40% at the time. But, you know, it's okay. You know, they should have realized that I had attained all these different uh, academic and occupational successes, right, as a as an indicator that I was capable, right, <laughs> even through, you know, working through those issues. So, you know, when the heck did they figure out, like, oh, yeah, if we just apply some pressure to this guy, he's going to quit and go away. And in fact, uh, they made my story better. Yeah. Um, they've now, they're now guilty of committing crimes. In which I can, you know, identify them, you know, prove who they are, and they've actually magnified the story. So this is like the, this has become the worst potential outcome 
of what they, when they set out on this mission to silence me, this couldn't have went any worse for them. I mean, this is, I'm trying to think of a way that it could have went worse. I guess the one way it could have went worse is if I would have killed one of them on my property, because then they would have had to come retrieve a body and then explain that. Um, And, you know, lucky for them that that didn't happen. Um, But, you know, this is, this story, the dam is breaking. I mean, right now it's a pivotal point in U.S. history. And I've been saying that for the, the past couple of weeks, the dam's breaking. Um, if you look at all the different social media chatter, all the, the, the vaccine injury stuff is starting to creep into the mainstream. Um, my story and all the different crazy aspects of it are now hitting, you know, big on social media. And it's only a matter of time until that all makes it into the mainstream. And um, if people are so shocked when they read my book and they say, you know, how could all this be true? How can this all be true? But I have a reference or a citation for everything or witnesses. And, you know, it is what it is, but um, we have to deal with it. I mean, that, that's what it is at the end of the day. And it'll be interesting to see if Congress actually does anything. Um, my attorney, Tom Renz, you should get him on your show too. He's, he's a character. I'd love to. I'll talk to him. And, um, you know, he and I have some big plans for things that we're going to do to, to, and which I can't talk about yet, but to basically make this whole thing unravel. And we're going after the corruption hard. I mean, because what else do we do in our country? Like I said, if, if it continues to go down this 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 path that we're, we're going to be bankrupt, we're not going to have a country left. You know what I mean? It's that simple. You're, we're uh, paying money, printing money that we don't have, taking loans on it. We can't pay the interest capitalization anymore. Something's got to give. I mean, this is just a, you know, this is just a reasonable a reasonable conclusion to to draw of the point of where we're at. And we're all, we're coupled with other problems happening globally right now. We know we've hit, hit peak oil, I think, and there's plenty of other oil to go extract, but it's expensive to extract. Chris Martinson uh, talks about that. Mm-hmm. He gives lectures on it. Um, and, you know, if you look at this, you know, we've just potentially poisoned a bunch of people with, with MRNA uh, and we don't know what the long-term effects of that are going to be, but it seems like, you know, all cause mortality is up. And, you know, I can leave that discussion there for now because I don't, don't want to get too deep into the jabs because that'd be a whole other hour segment. But there's all these weird things happening. Then we have the geo geopolitical stuff uh, talking about, you know, if the, the U.S. currency starts to slip further, then they're going to have like, you know, the ruble dollar or the uh, ruble. Uh, uh, the petro ruble. The petro ruble. Yes. Thank you. Or the, the yen ruble, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, petrol, yeah. the petrol yen. Sorry. And yeah, no, so if we go down that, that path, I mean, it, it's we're not heading to a good place. We're going to lose our dominance and, and Americans are going to feel it. And from my experience traveling all over the planet, we've got it great here in the United States. There's no other place on the yeah. planet I would want to live. I mean, there's some places in Europe that I love to visit and some other places, you know, second world kind of places, which I like to visit, but I'm always happy when I come home. And I love this country and I just want us to be a success, whether regardless of what our political ideologies are. And that really, you know, that drive and my wanting our country to be better spans the political divide. I want Democrats to be prosperous too. I want them to have good lives. And I want our government to stop being corrupt because if we don't do something about this, history is going to repeat itself. And this being, you know, our screwed up corruption in our government, then also this gain of function research, which is highly dangerous and needs to be regulated we need we need sensible regulation and we also need to get rid of the government handouts and and to to large corporations we need to do both and i think i think democrats and republicans should be able to agree on that yeah the idea that like i i wouldn't want yeah democrats and republicans like yeah no we're all in the same plane like i want i want the plane to land for all of us and it's also everything you're saying is again in the light of we're not in a vacuum there are other countries very hungry that didn't grow up with Big Macs and, you know, NFL Sundays and Simpsons and Xboxes. There are people out there just picking up trash for pennies who are hungry. You don't give a shit about pronouns. And they're going to take and then, you know, centuries down the road, they'll become corrupt and whatever. History will repeat itself forever. But there is like um, there is a truth that you can't avoid. You know, when you. When you you can feel your you know your pants are a little tighter and you're like all right fuck I gotta you know Christmas is over you gotta stop eating it's time to go to the gym right there's just that moment of truth and you can't lie to yourself you can go yeah I just kind of like eating I'll be fat all right that's fine or there's yeah I just I'm gonna have to diet but I'm hungry yeah well that's dieting it just sucks and it's just kind of what it is but you have to examine that truth I think that is what's becoming more and more apparent is we cannot ignore the truth and yeah i saw a funny meme yesterday and it was 800 pound elephant died suddenly in the room and no one wants to talk about it (laughs) yeah i I laughed i was like all right all right um 
but that is coming out and then um <clears throat> and i know i gotta let you go but uh it does make me did you ever watch real quick do you ever watch um chernobyl on hbo i have and and yeah. i actually equate the, the hbo ministry maybe i even talk about in the book to, to i think you do i don't even they all run together because i did this with dr mccall like a year ago so i don't even know it's my own memory anymore it's that'd be funny if i just start quoting your book to you and you're like well, yeah, that's I, well, my I do. book well, I, I, I do talk about Chernobyl yeah. because if you look at what happened with Wuhan and this SARS coronavirus, unless oh, I'll come back to that. I don't want to, there's a little rabbit hole I want to go down, but um, so far it looks like this is exactly the same. SARS-CoV-2 two emergence to a, the, the disaster, which is Chernobyl, where no one wants to acknowledge that there's a disaster. Everyone's denying it. Then they have to sort of let some people know so that they can respond to the disaster, but they're lying to the world about it. Okay. Then, you know, the, the science, uh, scientists in the West catch wind of that there's radioactive isotopes floating around that shouldn't be. And then they go to, you know, the Soviet Union and say, you've got a problem here and we're, you know, let us help you, please. And that that's sort of what exactly what happens this time around, except the one strange thing is that the Western scientists and uh, politicians are in with the communists um, together in the same boat and they go into cover mode together. I mean, that's what's truly ast astonishing about this is that everyone in the United States government decides to go into cover up mode instead of like, let's just take care of this mode, which it still blows my mind. I just, I could imagine if, if they would have hired me into DARPA, if I would have just stayed silent as, you know, I probably could have been much more damaging to the government on the inside if they would have brought me back in because I'm a guy that knows the rule book really well. And that's, I've done all this by the rules and that's why the FBI hasn't kicked in my door. Yeah. So if I were back in the government and had access to that, I mean, I'd, I'd kill them to death internally with paperwork because those lazy technocrats who are above you, they can't process the paperwork fast enough. So there's actually exceptions to every rule in government policy. You just have to go read the rule book, which exists. And once you know that, you can kill them, kill them with paper cuts. That's what we used to kill. Like I used to say when I worked in the government, like you can you can find a way around anything. You just have to know how to do it right so they don't uh, you know fire you or arrest you and that kind of thing. So. I don't know. You know, maybe it's good for both of us, us the government and DARPA, that they didn't bring me back into that program. But even my mentors um, <clears throat> that you know trained me said that was one of the weirdest things that they ever heard of. That they're trying to get me back into that. And I know the other person that they actually hired into that position, and I haven't spoken with any of those people, you know, since um, this is all played out. But it's it's all highly strange and unorthodox. Oh yeah, and. Um... <clears throat> kind of on the Chernobyl front. So let, let's let's just take that for a minute and right you let them in and then someone else in, you know, Latvia notices whatever, strontium ninety and they're like, the fuck is this? And they're like, hey, shut up and you bring him in. He can kill a couple of them, right? You do the whole GHB to the back of the head. But it keeps going. And obviously the US is diametrically opposed to them. So it's in our advantage or in our interest to expose them. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. What if uh what if Soviet Union, America and China all want to cover up Chernobyl? Well, you could do a good job for a couple of years. And if you had social media, you could you could slander it, psyops, bots. You could you could give it a the old college try. Ultimate reality just is. The the radioactive calcium is still just gonna float in the jet stream. They're not omniscient. They wanna be. They're not gods. Fish are gonna eat the polonium. These things are going to manifest in ways they can shut everything up and cover, you know, what do they say in the, in, you know, cut the phone lines, contain the spread of misinformation. Yeah. But it's going to pop up in ways you never thought it's going to be in the milk of cows and, you know, Sierra Leone or some shit. Like you're, you're not going to be able to squash it all because physical reality just is. And again, you could, you could do a pretty good job of covering it up. I'm not saying they can't, but it will manifest in ways you could never have imagined. And, it just will come out and it's just what it is. And so you talking about it, myself talking about it, everyone talking about it. We don't even have to talk about it. We're facilitating it. We're, we're poking holes in the dam, but even without us, it will eventually come out. It might be 10 years. It might be 50 years now. It might not be in our lifetimes. Someone's going to detect the radioactivity. It just, it just is. You're never going to maybe if the sun went critical and supernova and vaporize. OK, sure. But whatever. You're not going to stop it. It's going to manifest in some weird way of whatever of 
you know, I just had on Ed Dowd from BlackRock talking about the 40% increase and all costs more. It's going to come out in some weird way where Nike is going to realize that they're not selling enough, you know, whatever diabetic shoes for 80 year olds because they're all done. It's going to be in some weird way and someone's going to bring it up in a quarterly report and the CIA is not going to be watching them because it's going to be like pacifier sales are down in Seattle or some shit, right? It's just going to come out. Yeah, the, the next dam breaking will be insurance companies, so and, and especially healthcare providers. So they're going to start having to, to to pay for this, right? And they're going to see their quarterly earnings reports start dropping this next quarter, and they already have been. And they're going to also see all-cause mortality increasing, and they're going to start asking their actuaries at the insurance companies to start investigating. And then, you know, eventually that'll uh, you know trickle down to the hospitals, the clinicians, uh, the, the people running uh, different um, practices. And they're going to collect their information. They'll ground truth it because they're smart people and it'll get back up to the top. And then they're going to say, how are we going to pay for this? And then they're going to go knock on uncle Sam's door or they're going to raise rates and people start asking questions and investors will ask, why aren't, why am I not so profitable? Or if it's, even if, if it's a nonprofit uh, HMO, which, you know, there are quite a few of those, why don't we have enough money to operate? You know, that'll be the next question if they, they're, they start having more, more patients coming in. So that's the reality of it. They're trying to make a king size bed with like a twin sheet. You can you can pull it for a while. You can pull it for a while, and it's yeah, one corner is going to keep popping up. Maybe we can get all four corners. It's going to rip down the center, and then you're going to have a whole nother slew of problems. It just is, and it's just yeah. You're going to have these different industrial complexes battling each other: the insurance industrial complex versus the intelligence versus big tech. Hey, now we're back to the invisible hand. Now we're back to competition. And uh, maybe this is the silver lining of all of this is it leads to true competition. Um, but hey, man, I've kept you 10 minutes longer than I said I would. Uh, oh, it's fine. I'm having fun. Oh, hell yeah. I've got another call, but it's, you know, it's, that's my life now. Yeah, I got you. Well, hey, dude, I'd love to have you back on here sometime. I probably should ask you beforehand if you're good with my language. I'm normally pretty good about that with first time guests. And uh, Oh, it's totally fine. I mean, you have to remember, I, I started off my career in the uh, military. So that's kind of like my, my yeah. as a scientist, I never quite uh, fit in. I was telling um, another pretty famous clinician this last night. He's an MD. And he's he's very foul-mouthed and direct and angry. And you know, like I can handle you. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, you can talk that way, Remy. He's like, I'm like, but some of the other ivory tower academic types can't because they have a schema of what they perceive to be what is acceptable conduct by yeah. PhDs and I MDs. am a professional. Yeah. And so when I came, you know, people just swearing, cussing, talking the worst jokes on the planet, the dirtiest yeah. things that 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 I will, you know, will never say publicly and only with a select group of people. If I have that ability, I just, I, I don't go there after. Yeah, no, I, I normally try to just give that courtesy to people, but I figure even, I had on, I had on Mike Durant. I've had him on a couple of times, right? The the Black Hawk down pilot. And uh, I realized towards the end of it, I was like, I kept holding my tongue and I was like, this guy doesn't give a shit. And I was like, and I was like, hey man, can you say the line, fucking Irene? And he was like, fucking Irene. And I realized, I was like, what am I, yeah, I'm talking adult divorce guys. I'm like, excuse my language. And they're like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's the, what are you talking Like, I've literally just dropped artillery on like convoys of people. And I'm like, are you worried if I say fuck? And Dale's like, shut up, pussy. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I just, I, yeah. I, I took that, uh, I took the liberty, assuming that because of your time in the military, I can uh, just swear like an idiot, much to my mother's dismay. But you can. And right. even in professional settings, I'm the guy, even in government meetings, I'd let some colorful language fly just to for added impact to see yeah. how everyone else will react. I mean, that's always that's always interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how are we going to react to this? Yeah. 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 I, I was doing, I, I interviewed a, a Joe Kent a couple of times, former Green Beret, who uh, ran for office last year and is running again this year. I think the first time we talked, I was like, oh, I'm sorry about my language, man. And he looked at me. He was like, what the fuck are you talking? And I, I was like, oh. And he, I, he was like, he was like pulling his sleeves up. And I saw like the sleeves. And I was like, oh, this guy's a killer. I was like, what do I? I need to shut up. It's it's with it's with other people. I got I got get a little more delicate touch. You you say frick, and they're like, oh, you got to watch your language. And I'm like, oh, god. oh <laughs> yeah. god. But takes all kinds. Doctor Andrew Huff, thank you, sir. I will put the link to your book in the description. It is on Kindle. Your Twitter is already in the description. Uh, I wonder if they did screw with our streaming. Well, jokes on them. We'll find I out. I record on like three different software programs because. Yeah, happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Would love to have you on uh, on here again sometime. You're a cool dude. I appreciate everything you've done. You got balls of steel, and uh, yeah, fuck those Cointel guys, losers. Thanks yeah, so much, man. Pretty much. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. yeah. Take care, buddy. Thank you so much. For